Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy Podcast. I am your co-host, Dr. Adam Matthews, along with our host, the fabulous Lori Watson. How you doing today, Lori? I am so good. You're so good. Mostly because you've been talking about what you've been baking over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, yes. Gosh. I'm, I'm just learning how to bake. I'm a very I'm novice baker. Ooh. I make all kinds of mistakes and then have to start over all and over And then you have again. to eat your mistakes. And then you have and to eat your mistakes. so good. Yeah, but I'm learning how to make brioche. Brioche. Because uh, I love bread. Yes. And I made brioche with brie this weekend. Um, I didn't Dude. put enough brie in it. And t- tell what you did this morning with it, the leftovers. What did I do this morning with it? Oh, you can reheat it and then put some apricot jam on it or some <laughs> any kind of jam, really. I love jam, uh-huh. too. Bread and jam. It, it is totally sinful. Totally sinful. No, it's heavenly. Oh it my is, gosh! All those carbs. It is perfect. It is perfect. That's I know, one of the you're things. You're making me drool. That's one of the things me and my wife bonded over when we baking first started dating. Or brioche. Not baking. No, eating bread eating and bread. like <laughs> croissants and cafes. Right. <laughs> too fun. Uh, too fun. And it was. It was. Yeah. It was. That's croissants and cappuccino. That's our thing. So. Uh, um, yeah, cappuccino. But I'll we go are. For we are talking today about that before marriage stage, the premarital um, phase of relationships. Like when you know that that's- When you still eat bread. When you still still, still eat bread. When you can still afford carbs. (laughs) Listen, I'm carb positive. I am carb positive. I just want you to know that. Um, But the- when we started, you know, that period of time when you're trying to decide if this is the person that you want to spend your life with, if you want to be married to, the person you want to be committed to. My wife had to go to a, a secluded cabin in Montana to decide whether she, whether I was going to be the one. <laughs> she had to she had to travel like 2,000 miles and be by herself in the snow she uh, had to, to decide. Think about it for a couple of months oh, before she, was, she could decide. Oh, she was very um, intentional with the yes. decision. She wasn't gonna she wasn't yes. gonna rush into it lightly, which I I think is just super smart and I wish yeah. more people would do yeah. right I was like crazy about my husband from the very beginning <laughs> you just rushed in oh my gosh I yeah. was I was I mean we didn't rush in but we did have a fairly short dating period and a fairly yeah. short engagement but I mean I just I knew he was it yeah he told me he loved me in like two weeks which was really, really? dumb yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> I might that's, say really dumb. I yeah. was like, you don't even know me, and I knew I knew enough to know that. But yeah, well, I mean, it does. It makes for a romantic story, but I think a lot of times. So maybe we're going to talk today about some things we wish we would have known because nothing, nobody's perfect, right? When they right. go into that, most right. of the time, especially when you're younger, you're young and dumb, <laughs> as yes. you said. Yes, uh, try to get married, but if you can slow down enough and start to think about some things, there's some stuff that maybe if we could go back and tell our younger selves about right. some things to be intentional. Not that we would make different choices, right? right. Um, but we would have maybe thought some things through. What's what's the top on your list of things that you would have told yourself or wish you would have known the, before you I got think, married? Uh, I would have really thought about how important a sense of humor is. Uh, my husband has a great sense of humor, mm-hmm. and that was never on my list. And I, w- I just got lucky yeah. and got somebody who had that. But that is so important I also think that, you know, a lot of our listeners are married or are committed, and 
Uh, some of them are asking themselves, you know, gosh, if I'd known what I'd know now, you know, would I have made another choice? And we want to talk about that from from this vantage point, especially about is there a way to kind of know up front that this is going to be my sexual, you know, exciting partner for the rest of my life? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, but I you're going to be able to emotionally that. connect with a, those, yeah. that person as well. There's going to yeah. be some depth there. Right. But you can't I mean, we, you can't guarantee something. Right. It's not going to be 100 percent. You're stealing all my material, man. Uh, listen, like you can't. But there's there's some things that you can start to know about that's going to like you're going to have to make a decision about whether it is OK with you. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's and just being aware going forward is always helpful. Right. I mean, I think that one of the things I observe right now is as people get married, there is one sole feature that they are evaluating in terms of whether or not this would be a good partner, and that's attractiveness. I mean, I think our culture has gone crazy about can we find – the goal seems to be finding the most attractive partner that I can attract, Hmm. and that guarantees, right, that I will always feel sexually excited and that, therefore, there's some sense in that that the person – will be a good sexual partner because I'm attracted to them, which I think is so incredibly false. But I would like to bring a broader discussion to that. Um, I think that some of the most important things to look for in a partner are really based in who they are, who their yeah. character is. Yeah, especially I love what one of the things that you mentioned before, just the, that they have a – that the, their character is found in a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things – that a lot of people don't do when they're considering who they're going to marry is they don't trust what they see from that person, right? They feel like, well, they're going to change or they're going to be different when we get married. And I think a lot for a lot of things, you you can trust what you see, what you see Mm -hmm. them doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, for instance, a history of commitment, right, um, Mm -hmm. is one of the things that you mentioned is something to look for, whether just to anything that they've been able to hold that commitment um, two right. different things, right? Is they've been super disciplined, important. or they've been dedicated to a sport, or they've finished and completed school. They've had a steady job. I mean, I also think you know, in other partnerships, you know, that mm-hmm. person was faithful and you know had a long term relationship, and and can explain sort of why it didn't work out, or yeah. maybe they are devoted to their family. I mean, there's you want to measure objectively, is this a person who keeps commitments? Yeah. And we're, we're not trying to, in, I don't think you're trying to say that you don't hold, you hold all their sins against them, right? But if you, if you see a pattern of what they are doing, if there's a pattern, a history of cheating in relationships, for instance, or dropping out of things, not completing things, like that's, that would be a red flag to you, that's right? That's a red flag. Yeah, Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think that in the bloom of romance, right, what we don't see is potential pitfalls of the relationship and then oftentimes in the critical light of marriage or long-term partnership we forget about the beautiful things in our Mm. partner you know we're wearing rose-colored glasses and then we wear sunglasses that Mm. you know are critical yeah so so being able to take those off and see both sides right yeah Uh that and i think that's the other side of when you work work it all through, right? Then we have clear vision. Mm. We see a person who has some problems, but who has stellar qualities as well. But in the beginning, um, I think, you know, finding somebody who's a careful listener, Mm. I think that's really important. Yeah. Uh, How do do you describe listening? Because I think a lot of people misunderstand listening. Like, what would you say, what, what makes a careful listener? 
I think with my husband, um, that stood out to me a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember we were just friends and we were sitting at the table and it was kind of like, you know, time dropped away. Mm -hmm. And there was this sense of absorption that he was really caring about what I said and listening intently to my arguments and my thoughts about different issues. Uh, And it was like, ooh, so flattering, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was... I really sense this involvement, attention, mm. um, presence to mm. what I was talking about, not necessarily him, you know, building an argument or trying to be funny or anything. It was like he yeah. he was really paying attention and that mm. that told me something about him. He heard what you said. He didn't mm-hmm. make it all about him. Yeah. 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 I think that's I think that's really important. If somebody's always trying to fire back or make it about them, they're not really listening to you. Right. Which is vital for a long term health of a relationship, right? Is exactly. that they're really able to listen to each other. Um you also talk about there not any red flags. What would you consider some big red flags? Well certainly that just, just I mean to what you talked away. about. Yeah. You know, a pattern of relationships that have ended, you know, with infidelity or addictions. I mean, certainly a person who is what we might call a dry drunk, right? Mm. Somebody who said, well, I used to be an alcoholic and I don't drink anymore. It's like, come on, that's not sober. Sober is somebody who has faced their addiction, who has worked a program, who is still working a program, who knows Mm. their vulnerability. That's different. Or consumer debt. You know, somebody, uh, it's different, I think, if somebody has made an investment, like they have a mortgage or they have a car payment or they have school debt and they have progressed in their field. Mm-hmm. But if somebody has just run up $20,000 in consumer debt, whoo, yeah, like, why debt. is that? Yeah. You know, really you spent clothes and went out to eat and you didn't have the money and now you're paying this off. I mean, that to me is a character issue and the way they handle money is is really important yeah. to examine. Yeah, I think with any of these things, if addictions especially, but also with debt, if somebody's not being upfront about their flaws and what's the the ways that they are recovering and actively working on these things, then those mm-hmm. things are still raging on, right? Yeah. And I, I think people have to understand that they cannot save the other person, mm-hmm. right, from these things. Especially addiction, I think, is like people will try to think, well, again, it's going to be different or I'm going to be able to fix them or I'm going to be able to save them from this or they just need somebody to love them. Yeah. like. No, like you're not, it's not, that is not going to happen. Attention. And it's, their addiction is going to become yours. Right. Their, their debt is going to become yours. Right. Um, any kind of possessiveness or jealousy that they distribute that turns into um, anger and rage, especially yeah. like that's all going to become, that's all going to become yours. And yeah. so being able to, to recognize those things and walk away is, is huge. Right. I had a patient who told me that a guy she was dating, who was a great guy, Um, He was a very skilled technician, and within a few dates, he was linked in somehow to her email, Hmm. like was examining her email, you know, had figured it out or whatever. I'm like, nip that in the branch, man. Get rid of that guy. I mean, that kind of invasion. (laughs) Nip that in the branch? (laughs) That is way beyond the bud. (laughs) That's way beyond the bud. Nip that in the branch. That's a sapling of a problem. Chop down that tree, man. Burn the stump. You know, there is, to me, you know, in a, like when somebody's that invasive in an early relationship, and then, I mean, he had all kinds of issues like that that kept developing, and it was Mm. like, this is a craziness. Or somebody yeah. who exhibits, I had another male patient whose 
female partner, I mean, was just doing crazy stuff like showing up at his work. I mean, there was no call for it. He wasn't unfaithful, but she was just really suspicious. And that that's the beginning of pathology. You really yeah. want to pay attention to that. That's that's things that are con- if they're trying to control you, right? And oh, like yeah. Controlling behavior or something is just a huge red flag, I think, as right. well. The other thing you mentioned that I'm interested in that I haven't heard before is you mentioned to be careful of the pattern of one. What do you mean by the pattern of one? Okay, so oftentimes in a new relationship, um, what you see once is actually the beginning of a pattern. I mean, I, I hate to be so cut and dried and say you can never forgive somebody for one thing. But the reality is, right, in a new relationship, if you see your partner lose their temper, you see them treat a waitress badly, you see them talk badly to their family member, you see them talk down their friend, it is often the tip of the iceberg. And we have to, you know, pay attention to that, you know, because it's the beginning you, ha- you haven't known somebody long enough to see that it happens over and over and over again. So I often say pattern of one, like when a patient comes yeah. to see me and they're late their first session. I, yeah, I just, yeah, you know, I, first time. I mean, I know it's mm. it's there's a resistance. There's an issue with this. It, it means something. And of yeah. course, I'm not a scolding parent about that. It's not a, that they're late. It's just that they're telling me something. And we have to be careful in relationships with people. If they do it once, right, yeah. there's a pattern that it yeah. often follows. So. Yeah, I think that I think one of the things is, and that's what I tell people when they're moving really fast in a relationship, my only mm-hmm. hesitancy is, have you had enough time to see that person's flaws come out? Oh, yeah. Have you seen to see that pattern of one develop? Is it, did they do it again? Is it, is it something that's consistent? Because we're all putting our best face forward, right, and trying to win over the person. So when we don't give that enough time. That's one of the things that becomes really difficult. Well, let's come back and we're going to talk about what to look for, the sexual characteristics for long-term compatibility and kind of what to be on the lookout for. And we'll be right back for Play Radio Sex Therapy. Thank you so much to all our Patreon supporters, right? Yeah. Patreon is a platform where you can directly support things that you love. We really want to expand the resources that we can be able to provide right. to you as our listeners. If you know our work touches you and our work helps you, we would be so grateful for your support. Just go to our website, foreplayrst.com, and there you can find a way to support us, and you can see our episodes and our blogs. And thank you so much, guys. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. At Matthews Counseling, we believe it is our job to come alongside you in whatever difficult challenges of life you are in and help you rediscover hope and to find the strength that you have to face those challenges. We strive to create a safe and comfortable place for you to explore who you want to be and identify the obstacles standing in your way. Oftentimes, the first step toward finding help is the hardest, but it can also be the bravest. Give us a call at 919-587-8018. Find us online at matthewscounseling.com. We look forward to working with you. Hi, we're back with Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy talking about premarital advice and just sort of what to look for. I, I would say that many people come into a session and they say, you know, if I'd known what I know now, I would have chosen differently in terms of sexual compatibility. 
And what I would like to say is this is very difficult, but oftentimes those people who have hot, hot, hot sex before marriage actually end up in about the same place, you know, a few years in as the people who did not have sex or did not have hot sex or needed to warm up. So, but if you're still looking, how can you know, like, what what kinds of things might tell you about an eventual outcome sexually? Yeah. And we talked in the first part about that uh, emotional part, that character part, and talking about sexual compatibility for long term. You were mentioning before in the beginning that it not just looking at attraction. Right, right. right. That attraction is important. Yeah, and I would say absolutely you have to be attracted to your partner and they have to be attracted to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I have lots of people who come in and say, you know, I was never really attracted to my partner, but they were a great person. That's why I married them and now I'm, you know, second, I'm thinking again about that. And it's like, why would you marry somebody that you were not attracted to? You know, I mean, I... I, I think it doesn't have to it, it doesn't have to be the most attractive and that might be what they're saying sometimes is this wasn't the most attractive person I could have found well it's mm. like right because there's a balance against the many characteristics that make for a good life partnership I think there are some people who feel who could feel like that's a shallow characteristic to to base rela- a relationship on because on one hand you have people that just go after the attractive partner Sure. But then on the other hand, you have people that react against that and say, well, I want something deeper. So that means I'm not going to be attracted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, or I don't, I'm not going to value being attracted to them. But what you're saying is there has to be a balance between there. There has to be both things. Right. I mean, I, I don't think it necessarily has to be, you know, you look the most handsome or you're the most beautiful or even beautiful or even handsome. But there's something inside that feels mm-hmm. this chemistry, whether it's the way they flirt or, or something that gives you some sense of sexual energy with them, right? Mm. That's attraction. Yeah. I also hear a lot of people who, you know, choose glamour over character, mm. you know, and, and I know I'm old to say Ginger over Marianne or Marianne over Ginger. You probably that's don't a, remember for Gilligan's. For all you uh, millennials, Gilligan's that's a Gilligan's Island, <laughs> Island reference. <laughs> <laughs> sit right back and you'll hear a tale. Yeah, exactly. Right? But Marianne, who was hot herself, you know, was this well, good Kansas the, girl. Yeah, and Ginger was this glamorous Hollywood girl. And they were yeah. both beautiful women. You know, but the idea was that men wanted Ginger's who were, you know, incredibly beautiful. Mm. But she was a little empty headed and a little vain. Yeah. And Marianne was like homespun. Yeah. Um, but. You know, she was very sexual. Right. And I, I think that sometimes you can't tell by looking. Sometimes the dressed up glam girl doesn't necessarily have a depth in terms of her own sexual awareness, her own erotic core. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's just on the surface. And so you have to know something deeper about them sexually. And that's what we want to talk about. So you're saying one thing doesn't equal the other. Hot in looks doesn't equal hot in bed. It doesn't. Necessarily. It doesn't. Not yeah. at all. For for either gender. Yeah. I mean, a guy who's hot doesn't mean he's a great lover yeah. or patient or listens or is attentive. Right. Not at all. So you're looking for that energy that they bring, that sexual energy that they bring to the awareness, mm-hmm. awareness of their own body, aware of their own sexuality, flirting, being playful, being touching, right, mm-hmm. a desire there. You know, my, my kids, when they were young, the um, Backstreet Boys, right, were big. 
and they were singing. Uh-huh. There was a song. If you want it to be good, girl, get yourself a bad boy. Do you mm-hmm. remember that song? Yeah. Were your sons I, into Backstreet Boys? Oh yeah. They were. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that they would uh, be. <laughs> I can't wait to see their reaction when you put that out there <laughs> to Sorry, to, the, to the world <laughs> that they were super into Backstreet Boys. But you know, they were like bipping around, singing this song, singing this song, and I said, you know, what do you think they're singing about? And of course, they were a little young; they didn't quite know. And I said, well, what they're saying is. If you want it to be good, get yourself somebody who's had lots of lovers. Hmm. And they were like, oh. And I said, but actually, if you want it to be good, you want to be with a partner who deeply listens to you. Hmm. Because it's that sense of care about the other that actually creates a good lover, not Hmm. the experience. I mean, I have sat with certainly men and women who say, you know, yeah, I had like 30 lovers before I got married and I know what I'm doing. And it's like their partner is, you know, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) You clearly don't. I mean, experience actually is not always the best teacher. Yeah. Uh, And that's why I have a lot of hope for people who don't have many partners or who come into Mm. the marriage, you know, as their one and only and that they can grow it. Mm. Um, Yeah. So experience is different because it it doesn't always lead to self knowledge, right? To it know what I mm-hmm. want in bed or what mm-hmm. uh, what I like, right? It doesn't always lead to that. Um, but that's what you're one of the things that you want, and you don't just look over that sexually. You're looking for somebody who knows what they want inside and outside of the bedroom, mm-hmm. right? And so, and that that's something you can see. That's something mm-hmm. that's that's tangible, even without having sex. If somebody knows what they want, they're going to be able to ask for it clearly. Somebody um, who can represent themselves, mm-hmm. right, and say this is it. I I also think that this generation, what's so tragic is sex is so visual. Mm. With porn and and the movies and and you know every kind of media influence, the difficulty is I think they enter sexual relationships performing versus knowing right mm. and experiencing and feeling and being sensually involved. Um, there's so much pressure, yeah. you know, to perform and to be like whatever it is they're seeing. So many of them really, even though they've had multiple lovers, really don't know anything about themselves or even about their partners. Yeah. That, to me, is being comfortable in your own skin. If you're with somebody who is comfortable in their own skin, right, you kind of just know. Mm -hmm. Like, you know versus whether they're trying to put on a show or they're trying to act Mm -hmm. or they're trying to be something that they're not. Somebody that is comfortable in their own skin is relaxed. They know what they want, but they're also not forcing that on anybody else around Mm -hmm. them. Right. Right. Uh, And that's that's some maturity. Um, but you also want somebody, right, and you talk about that the other person is able to be responsive to you, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that is that is pretty huge. Exactly. And, and I think as in so much as you want to be attracted to your partner, you want to make sure they're attracted to you too, mm. you know, that you have concrete evidence of that, you know, through their open desire, through their asking, their initiation, all mm. of that really important. You don't want somebody that's turning away from you all the time. Nope. Right. I mean, and somebody that, who's responsive. Yeah, and that because that's that's evidence that they're going to do that they're going to do that sexually as well. Exactly. Um, and and I often say, you know, people if sex goes off during the engagement, think twice. Like for some reason or another, it's this critical point, right? Mm-hmm. They were sexual before they got engaged and then when they get engaged, they turn it off for multiple reasons. And to me, that is a huge red flag. Yeah. You know. I think just a quick aside soapbox, right? Engagement does not mean it does not mean you're already married. It doesn't, right? I have so many. I oh hear people talk about like they get engaged and then red flags present themselves and then they feel stuck. And I'm like, 
you're you this is not the case you can be engaged you can call off engagements it's hard it's difficult i was it's engaged i was engaged and <gasps> called it off I me too <laughs> were you right? yes oh my god i was too i want to know that story well threw the ring in my face so oh my gosh after i broke up with her i didn't have a, a ring that might tell you something <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you got engaged without a ring i did oh lori yeah i know it was oh, a, it was a problem yeah right, my, I don't know, my I don't... father said lori he's dumb <laughs> I should have listened much sooner, but um, eventually uh, I, it got through my dumb head at that point. I don't anyway. know. I don't know what it says about us that both of us were engaged. <laughs> we got to talk about this, maybe. Right. And I want to tell my, you know, just I wanted to tell my my story of how I got together with my husband. Maybe another podcast. Yeah. Okay, so I think you should also find somebody who has a positive body image. How do you know? How do you know they have a positive body image? What I mean, how do they? Dis- how well, does I think you display? were talking about it. You were saying comfortable in their own skin, right? That mm-hmm. they're. They're not anxious about different areas of their body being touched. You know, they enjoy, the, you know, they, they let loose. Um, that they don't talk about it constantly, mm. you know, about, I got a diet. <laughs> <laughs> They're not flexing in the mirror all the time. Well, flexing in the mirror might be like a positive thing, right? Uh, it, it could be. It could be. It could be. Um, or, you know, they, they talk about and take care of their body with respect, you mm. know. So they eat well and they exercise and they do all that stuff and mm-hmm. Adam though he's talking about brioche I know that he actually exercises and eats well I mean, most of the time and all that most, most but but it's it's like they have respect for their body they don't denigrate it mm. you know I, and I think especially for women right this is this is key this is the number one reason uh, or at least the number two reason I would say that women turn off to sex is actually they don't like their own body or they don't think their partner likes their body and so they don't want it to be shown I mean, it's yeah. just it, there's a craziness, and yeah. and that's in her head. Yeah. Uh, so, so I would definitely say be aware of that. But I think that there is huge pressure on men these days to to be oh, absolutely fit, have abs. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, no, that's why I was saying when I was talking about flexing the mirror. I'm talking about I, I'd see guys that are just they're in the gym twice a day. They're mm-hmm. in the gym like every day. They're taking tons of supplements. They're like you know they like. I think what I mean by that is they that that's where they are fixated on, mm-hmm. right? Which means to me, which means that they that is an insecure body uh-huh. image, uh-huh. right? When it's they, more of a narcissism is what yes. you're talking about, yeah. mm-hmm. and that they need the flattery because they they don't have a sense of confidence about their body. Yeah, because when they lose that, when like when they're not able to maintain, they'll either neglect their partner or in their mm-hmm. family to maintain that, or they'll lose that, and in both senses, they it starts to it starts to be dangerous. Yeah, not good. So one of the things if we're talking about premarital stuff, right, but one of the things that may happen, as we, as we talked about in the beginning, is that if you're already married, you're already in a relationship, you may look at these things and go, well, I wish I would have known that. I missed the boat. I missed the boat. But the thing is, is that there is still a way to work out of that, right? Right. Um, and, and one of the things we're going to do is our next podcast is going to be about how to rekindle romance. Mm-hmm. like. 10 steps, man, that you could 10 practical things that you can do to bring some of this back. Um, if you didn't have this information before, which I think is really, really important, because even though we wish we would have known all of this before, right, when we were dating our spouses, but it doesn't mean that you can't get that. You can't get that back. Right. I mean, I really think the main thing that creates a good sexual relationship is still character. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, a person who is willing to dig deep on their difficulties, right, 
and and give those. And whether if you're a sexual pursuer, uh, especially if you're a male sexual pursuer, you you cannot overestimate your partner's need for emotional connectedness and mm. how that causes growth in you. And if you're a sexual distancer, particularly female, you know, you have to dig deep and know your body's arousal patterns and be willing to communicate that, mm. to develop an eroticism that is internal, that is not simply triggered by your partner. Mm. And obviously, if you're congruent, there's both things are still necessary. So yeah. I, I see many couples who had hot, hot, hot sex. And, and it's just problematic. You know, because of the character flaws, the the pursuer distancer toxic pattern that gets in the way that decimates sex. So, I mean, I think that overall, yes, sex is healable. Sex is growable. I mean, definitely. And character is growable, too, right? I mean, right. Th- that's the good news. Both of those things can be altered, can be built upon, can be healed. Yeah. And so I, like, I'm a different can, person than yeah. I was at the beginning of my marriage. I mean, much more stable. Yeah. So am I, thank the Lord. I mean, yes. if I was the same person I was 14 years ago, I don't almost 15, you know, that life would not be, life would not be near as good if I was the exact same person. Right. So there's, we can change, we can grow, we can be different. Yeah. Okay. For Play Radio Sex Therapy, you're listening to our premarital episode. Thanks for listening. You can now call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.